0: hi cov we are so glad that you are here with us today engaging with our playlist welcome to all long attenders and those who are just checking us out wherever you land we are happy that you are here i'm ruth zilka i'm a member at cov and i have the privilege of opening god's word with you today as we continue in our colossians series we will be in colossians chapter 3 today so if you want take a minute grab your bible or open up your app and turn to Colossians chapter 3, and we will be starting in verse 1 and going through verse 17. My prayer for each of us today is that we are encouraged with God's truth as we open up his word. Our passage has so much to teach us and to challenge us with, and I hope your heart is encouraged today. Before we dive into our text, will you just pause with me for a moment? As I pray, I know this can feel a little bit odd on camera, but I want to pause and help us focus our hearts and our minds in the right place before we look at our verses for today. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for today. Thank you for the opportunity and the blessing to open up your word and to study. God, thank you for the truth that is filled in scripture. God, thank you for the message that you have for us in Colossians. God, I pray that you would use me, that you would equip me, that you would empower me to proclaim your truth. And Lord God, I pray that you would change hearts today. I pray that we would have open hearts and open minds to hear exactly what you have for us. We just thank you again for this opportunity. In your name I pray. Amen. All right. We're going to jump right in. And we're going to start with Colossians 3, verse 1. And it says this, Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. The first two words of this verse should give us a clue and will give us a clue about what is coming in the following verses. Any transitional word in scripture should cause us to pause, to look back, and to consider context. Paul's letter to the church in Colossae is beginning to shift in chapter 3, and it's moving us into the next part of the book that we're going to be reading. We will see Paul begin to encourage and challenge his readers with what they should be seeking instead of what they should be avoiding. Verse 1 packs a punch. Paul tells us right away to set our hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Scripture confirms this rightful place that Jesus holds next to God the Father. We read about Jesus' ascension in Luke chapter 24, verses 50 through 51. And it says, When he had led them out to the vicinity of Bethany, he lifted up his hands and blessed them. While he was blessing them, he left them and was taken up into heaven. And in Hebrews 12, after listing incredible examples of faith and action in chapter 12 or chapter 11... We are encouraged in chapter 12, verses 1 through 3, and it says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of god consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart what an encouragement we are called to focus on things above on eternal things things that will not fade like the things of this world We will see this in verse 2. It says this, Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. We need to seek what God desires, to have an eternal mindset. We should desire to live a life that makes eternal impact, not material impact. Matthew 6, 29-21 gives a similar command when Jesus says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moths and vermin destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So what does this look like? How do we focus on things above? we will get some great insight in the coming verses, but let's get our minds set in the right direction first. Setting our minds on things above means caring about others and their eternity. It means desiring to bring God glory and not ourselves. It means humility. It means reflecting the character of Jesus. It means seeking the Lord's will for our lives and also being dependent and willing for the Lord to produce fruit in us as we pursue him. Basically, it means seeking after, thinking about, and pursuing anything that brings God glory and points others to Jesus. It is not about us. And it is not about how awesome we are or the super cool things that we have accumulated on this earth because those things will fade. So let's keep going and start back up in verse 3. Colossians 3:3. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. Verse 4. When Christ, who is your life, appears... Then you will also appear with him in glory. When we submit our lives to Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, we die to our old selves. We die to being the small g God of our own lives. As we submit to the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the creator of all things, God Almighty, The things of our past, the sin that so easily entangles us, was put to death on the cross as Jesus took our rightful place, dying for our sins. We are given a new life in Christ, a new life in the one who promises that he will one day return in all of his majesty and glory. A return that we should be anxiously awaiting and preparing for. Verse three tells us we are hidden with Christ. I love that imagery. This means that we are secure, concealed, and safe in Christ. We find our hope and joy in Him and Him alone. Not only can we find security in our future in Christ, in the fact that if we make a confession of faith in Him as Savior and Lord, that we are promised eternity in His presence but we can also find security and hope in him right now. What a gift. In the first four verses, the focus was on doctrine. And now starting in verse 5, we'll begin to see Paul challenge his readers with more application of the first four verses. Let's get back to Colossians 3, verses 5 and 6. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. This list is not a surprising list, given the sexual promiscuity during the time that this was written. And honestly, it's still not a really surprising list for today. These things destroy us. They take our eyes off God and distort his intended purpose for a God-honoring intimate relationship between a man and a woman in the confines of marriage. One day, we will all be face-to-face with our Creator, and we will be held accountable for all of our actions. We must choose well. Honor God and allow our actions to point others to him. So let's pick back up in verse 7. You used to walk in these ways, in the life you once lived. But now you must also rid yourselves of all such things as these. Anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. We need to honestly examine our hearts for recurring sin. But honest examination is not enough. We need true repentance. Repentance requires conviction, which should lead to admission, which should lead to seeking forgiveness which should finally lead to changing our habits. We will never succeed in changing our sinful ways without the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. In order to know what displeases God, we have to spend time with Him and in His Word. We have to know His character. And we hear from God, by being in his word as the spirit brings to life and reveals the truth that we read in the scriptures. Now, application of this truth will look different for each of us because we're all at different places in our spiritual walk. And we also all have different personalities and experiences and ways of processing. And our relationship with God is an intimate personal one that's why it's going to look different but a work of the holy spirit or the empowerment of the holy spirit in our lives are the things where god has given all the glory and when we realize our need for dependence upon him completely so we need to be humble enough to confess to ask for forgiveness, and to ask God to equip us to change, to move, and to work in our lives. We need to ask him to change us, to change our hearts, to help us change our sinful habits. We need to ask him to move in our lives and to work in our lives, and we need to be willing to allow him to do so. That is the work of the Spirit in us. And we need to do this so that sin is torn down and not slowly built up as a wall around our hearts that separate us from him. So we can be challenged in ways like this, but, but what does it look like and what does it mean on a practical basis? What does it mean? What does that look like practically? I think it means making confession part of our daily lives. Being willing to sit in the stillness and the quiet so we can hear the still, soft voice of our God. So let's keep reading. We're going to start back up in verse 9. Do not lie to each other. Since you have taken off your old self with its practices and if put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. The command in verse nine is clear. Do not lie. It doesn't say try your best to avoid lying or only use a little white lie when it's gonna protect somebody else's feelings. No, it simply says, Do not lie. And I believe this also applies to exaggeration. Exaggeration is a stretching or an expanding of the truth. And if you are adding to or expanding the truth, that's not a fully true statement anymore. It's a lie. We are called to speak the truth in love at all times, to all people. Now this imagery of taking something off and putting something on like we just read, that was a very common, a widespread idea that was used in ancient times, especially the idea of taking off and putting on clothing. And it still applies to us today. Just stick with me here for a second, okay? So we don't keep the same set of clothes on every single day. I mean, that would be gross. Instead, at the end of a long day, what do we do? We take off the dirty, worn clothes, and we start over again with something fresh and new the following day. It's the same with our spiritual lives. We are called to take Off our old self, to die to our former way of living, and to put on a new identity rooted in Jesus Christ because we are created in his image. Putting on a new self means that our conduct should match our faith. Good intentions or resolutions are not enough. We need the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives to produce fruit and to change us. Our actions should match our words. If we claim to be a follower of Jesus Christ, the way that we live our lives should match up to this claim. We don't get to just drift along or float along as believers and we should not want to do that. Our relationship with Jesus requires time, effort, and a willingness to learn and to grow. That is why putting off our old selves and putting on a new one in Christ is so important. Because when we submit to him, our identity should be found in him and him alone. And it can be found in him and him alone. Okay. So let's get back to our text in verse 11. Colossians three eleven. There is no Gentile or Jew. Here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. So the Scythians were people along the northern coast of the Black Sea, which is now modern-day Ukraine. And in the eyes of the Greeks, they were considered violent, uneducated, and uncivilized probably not people they wanted to be around and paul's point here is this is that we are all equal at the cross regardless of race gender background or sin we are all equal at the cross and we should never consider ourselves or anyone else too far gone to be saved by christ He accepts all who humbly submit to him as Lord and Savior of their lives. We can never consider ourselves or anyone else too far gone. Okay, so Paul is going to give us some practical rubber meets the road instruction in verses 12 through 14. So let's keep reading. Verse 12. I mean, first off, what an incredible encouragement. We are holy and dearly loved. Do you see yourself like that? As a child of the God Most High? And do you see others through that lens as well? These verses are calling us to bear with one another, to forgive one another, and to love one another. We are called to reflect Christ's compassion, to show kindness, to be humble, to be gentle, to practice patience and bearing with one another in love. We are also called to forgive because we were first forgiven. If we were practicing and if we are practicing humility, gentleness, and patience, I think that should make us see forgiveness in a different light. Our human nature wants to be selfish and prideful, to feel justified, to seek revenge when we have been wronged. But this is not what we are called to in our new life in Christ. And I think if we spent more time focusing on how we ourselves have been forgiven and the fact that we need constant forgiveness from sin, I think our ability to extend forgiveness would be greatly impacted. Now, this does not mean that we shouldn't set boundaries with unhealthy people or that we need to be a person that others walk all over. That is not what I am saying. But what I am saying is that we need to live in such a way and with such a focus on how we have been forgiven that we are more willing to forgive others unforgiveness leads to bitterness and we do not want to squander our lives with bitterness instead we should seek joy through the holy spirit and through holy spirit empowered forgiveness we should seek that kind of joy that comes when god equips us and gives us the ability to forgive someone else now this type of forgiveness that points It points other people to Jesus. That's what this type of forgiveness does. And the work that he is doing in our lives as he softens our hearts and changes us and equips us to forgive. That points others to Jesus. And that is Holy Spirit empowered forgiveness. Now verse 14 tells us to put on love. This means that we are to live in love to seek restoration. Ask God to change our hearts. Extend love to those who are hard to love and to love those who are easier to love with a humble, intentional, investing kind of love. Now, last Sunday, Tim challenged us to care and love for one another during this incredibly challenging time. And I want us to pause and to think for a second about what that could practically look like. And I came up with a few ideas for us, so I'm going to share them with you. The first thing, send a text message. Easy. Takes a few seconds, right? Send someone a gift. I mean, heck, you could even buy somebody groceries on Amazon and have them delivered to their house. Use social media to reach out or to post truth. Give somebody a call. Send out a Christmas card. Smile through your mask. Make eye contact. Just because we have to stay six feet apart doesn't mean that we can't still look at each other in the eyes and smile. Drop off a gift or a treat for someone on their doorstep. Get creative. Let's love others well. And as we love others, we will be reflecting Christ's love for us let's finish out our verses. Colossians 3 starting in verse 15. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts since as members of one body you were called to peace and be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Do you see a theme in these verses right here? I do. And it's thankfulness. The end of verse 15 states it plain and simple. Be thankful thankful. As I studied these verses, I was challenged by how I have been looking at our current circumstances. As Tim said last week, this pandemic pandemic sucks. Right? It's hard. It has taken so much from us. But if I really sit back and examine the not last 9 months, I begin to realize how much I have to be thankful for. It can be really easy to sum up 2020 as a dumpster fire of a year. But what if we began to look at it a little differently? What if instead of looking at 2020 as the year we couldn't do anything and started to look at it as the year where we got to slow down? As the year where we got to be intentional with our families and our friends and our loved ones. As the year where we watched God show up and show off. As the year where in spite of trials, we saw him move. When I sit back and I think about it, that's a much better legacy for 2020. And I do not want to diminish, and I am not trying to diminish the grief, the hardship, the fear, and the struggle that we have all endured this year. But I do want to point us to the truth that even in the midst of trial, there can be growth, there can be joy, and there can be blessing. All of those things can coexist. I would like to invite you to come back with me in time, if you will, to December 13th, 2008. On this day, 12 years ago, my husband Kyle and I, we were in the thick of one of the hardest seasons of our lives. We were first-time parents to a a little over two-week-old baby who still had not come home from the hospital yet. Our son, Parker, had been born eight weeks early and had spent the first several weeks of his life in the neonatal intensive care unit at Kaiser Santa Clara. His early entrance into the world meant we walked out of the hospital empty-handed to an empty house filled with baby things as we left our son in the care of NICU nurses. December 13th was an especially defeating day because just two days before we were scheduled to take Parker home. That was before an episode of apnea where he stopped breathing, prevented our departure. We felt tired, scared and exhausted from the ups and downs of a baby in the hospital. And for me personally, I was worried that with each passing day, we'd end up spending Christmas in the hospital. As I look back on that time in our life, I am reminded about how much of that holiday season in 2008 wasn't quote-unquote normal. Kind of like this year, in some ways. Just weeks before December 13th, 2008, I had eaten my Thanksgiving dinner in a hospital bed. And as I looked forward, we were facing the chance of Christmas looking really hard and really sad. But when I look at my now 12 year old son, who is as tall as I am, I am reminded of God's goodness in that season 12 years ago. And that season that was filled with so much uncertainty and so much normal taken away. I learned what it meant to fully depend on my God for strength. I watched God provide for our little family in ways that I never thought would be possible. And I remember exactly where I was sitting in Kaiser's Cafe as I read my Bible and cried out to God in pain and hurt about how unfair I thought this all was that I had to leave my baby at the hospital while others got to take their home, theirs home. And I remember the Lord softly speaking to my heart as I read through scripture. And it was like he was telling me, this is how it feels when you walk away from me. When we were walking this storm, my eyes were sometimes blind to the growth God was doing in my life. But on the other side of the storm, I am so grateful for all that he taught me and for the sweet moments of joy that he blessed Kyle and I with in the midst of such sorrow and uncertainty. 2020 has been hard. It has been a struggle and has pushed us to our breaking point. But God is still good. God is still in control and God can still grow us. What if we made 2020 the year we realized that our phones aren't as important as I thought as we thought they were? Or that our careers aren't as important as quality family time. Or that nothing can be gathering as the body of Christ in person. Oh, I missed that. Maybe we have been taking too many things in life for granted. And God can use this trial to reset our hearts and our minds on things above to reset our hearts on eternal things that have true lasting impact, to help us remember that even though we think we are in control of things, that he truly is the one in control of all things. And he is good. May we be willing to be humble, kind, gentle, patient, to be willing to forgive and to love others well as we continue to walk through this trial. And what a blessing it will be when in 12 years from now we can look back and we can see how God grew us, how he moved and what he did in our lives in 2020. Cause trust me friends, God has got you. And he has a purpose for your life. And he has a purpose for this crazy year called 2020. But may we fix our eyes on things above, on eternal things that will have lasting impact. May we point others to Jesus through the way we love and serve one another. And may we live out what it means to be the body of Christ in the midst of trial and hardship. God is good, he is our strength, he is our joy, and he is our peace. We have much to celebrate this Christmas season as we pause and remember that our Savior came to this earth as a baby, completely dependent upon his creation, and he grew into a man who lived a perfect and sinless life, but death did not hold him death was defeated as he rose from the dead and we are promised eternity with him if we submit our lives to him as lord and savior we need to put off our old selves and put on our new selves found in jesus christ let me pray oh god we thank you for this chunk of scripture Thank you for what it taught us. Thank you for the ways that I know it challenged my heart. And Lord God, I pray that my friends who are watching this, that their hearts and their lives and their minds would be challenged. Lord God, I pray that you would receive all the glory. Thank you that we can put off our old selves and put on a new self rooted in in you and you alone. God, you are good. We praise you and thank you that you are in control and that we can put our trust completely in you. We pray all this in your name. Amen.